Welcome to the Hillside Podcast. We trust that you'll be impacted by listening to today's message. It's lovely to see all your beautiful faces again. And I feel really honored to be asked to speak again. My granddad said to me when I got asked again, he said, oh, there we go. <laughs> he said, that's when you know, and that's the real privilege is when you get asked back. Because <laughs> he says, you don't get asked back every time. <laughs> so... I've got, a, I've got a one-liner for you here. If you want to write this down, this is, this is the one-liner. <laughs> we have been irreversibly adopted into God's family through Jesus. And from that place, we serve for the advancement of God's kingdom. Okay, so I think Hillside's done so well at, at um, affirming us in our identity as sons. And when I say sons, just a disclaimer that I mean sons and daughters as well. So women are sons as well, because men have to be the bride, so <laughs> women, you have to be sons as well. <laughs> so... I think that's something that Hillside's done so well, is just affirming in us in our identity um, as sons. And I want to just reaffirm that a little bit and then launch off that a little bit further. So we are sons. We walk in sonship. God will never stop loving us. Jesus has covered our sins and the veil has been torn so that once we accept the gift he's given us, we have unconditional connection and love from God. Our adoption into the kingdom becomes our identity and the pressure to perform to earn God's approval or God's love is removed because we're sons. So we can be fully secure um, in, the, in that knowledge. And from that place we can risk and we can walk in confidence and we, we walk in a certain way because we know that our dad is God. That's incredible, isn't it? Literally God is our dad. So let's turn to Ephesians 1 verse 5. So it says, He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So let's go to Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And last one for now is Romans 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, so these verses are all about adoption. 
about how we've been adopted into the kingdom and we're, we're sons of God. And I wanted to give a little bit more context uh, to, to that word adoption. Um, so while, when the Bible was written, um, that word adoption had a few significant things about it under Roman law. Um, so when someone was adopted, they were considered a brand new person. Uh, they were entering into a brand new life. Their old identity was completely removed. They were even um, given a new name when they were adopted. Um, and they became fully part of a brand new family. Sounds a bit like us. Sounds a lot like us when we were adopted into the kingdom. Um, so that's some of the context. And then they had equal joint heirship to the father's estate, even if, even if they were children born naturally to that father. So in other words, an adopted son adopted into a family even if that family already had sons who were born naturally, the heirship was of the same value. They had the same heirship to the father's estate. There was no less heirship for the adopted son. And the last significant thing, I think, is, is that adoption was irreversible. So nobody, when, once, once a child was adopted, nobody had a right to contest that adoption. Once it was finished, it was finished, and there was nothing that could reverse that adoption. So that's the context in which these verses are, in, in which these verses talk about adoption. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe, maybe let's just read um, that Romans 8 again. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And Abba, we cry, Abba, Father. And Abba is, um, in Aramaic language, it's the intimate word for father. So there's no lack of intimacy because we're adopted. We, we, that's an intimate word. So how incredible is God's love that he, he let his son die for us so that he could adopt all of us. And, and he, he even he adopted us so that he could give us even more love once we've been adopted. That's amazing. My, my prayer is that we, we all receive a fresh revelation of God's unconditional love for us and our identity as a, his sons. Um, I've got some extra verses here if you want to read them. Uh, 1 John 3, 1, John 1, 12, Colossians 1, 13, and 2 Corinthians 5, 17. That's more about our identity. So um, how many of you remember Dylan Long, Chanel's brother? He spoke here last year, late last year. Anyway, um, so... You remember him. <laughs> so um, when he was here, Ant Blackman, whose who's parents lead Sarepta, um, was hosting him. And so Ant and Dylan and I were spending a lot of time together. And Dylan's, one of Dylan's jokes is about sonship. So he says, um, he, he uses it in, in funny context. He'll, for example, he'll, he'll say, um, can I have a bite of your toast? And then he'll take a, a massive bite of your toast. And he'll be like, that's sonship. 
<laughs> I know what belongs to me. <laughs> I'm walking in sonship. So obviously that's a bit of a joke. But I think the, the point there is that when we are sons and when we are walking in our identity as sons, we know what belongs to us. We know how to act. And, and with that security, there's, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of issues um, that people who aren't sons have that just fall away. And in family, I think it's so important to understand that we're sons. Um, I think it it's, um, makes it easier for us to act how we're supposed to act in the house. Um, there's a lot of, even in terms of relational, um, relational things, um, I think a lot of relational issues sort themselves out when we are secure in our identity. Um, and that's, that's not to say that we don't still have, have to put an effort into our relationships um, if, we're, if we're secure in our identity. Um, but I think there's just a lot of, it solves a lot of problems automatically. So let's turn to John 13 verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Okay. So let's just let's dissect this passage of Scripture here a little bit. So... Jesus, knowing who he was, so he, he's, he knows that the Father had given all things into his hands. That's airship. I was talking about airship. That he had come from God and was going back to God. He understands he's a son. He understands his identity. Rose from supper. So these, and then what happens afterwards is not disconnected to that. It's, it's one as a result of the other. So because he understands his identity, he rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. He began to wash the disciples' feet and wipe them with the towel. So, the, there's some context to this as well. In, in, uh, in that time period, the people who would wash the feet of the, of the guests were the slaves. And if, it wasn't the, if there were no slaves available to wash the feet, then it would be the person of lowest importance in the, in the house at the time who would wash everyone else's feet. And so that's why the, some of the disciples were protesting when Jesus tried to wash their feet. They're saying, but you're the most important among us. Why are you washing our feet? And, but Jesus understands who he is. He doesn't need, he doesn't, he's fine with doing things that people of less importance would do because it doesn't make him feel less important. He knows exactly who he is. So there's something of that, that servant-heartedness that we need, to, we need to take on here. Jesus has modeled that for us. Let's go to Philippians 2, from verse 1.
So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So Jesus was a servant. He was of the highest importance, but he also understood his identity and that allowed him to be comfortable in being a servant and doing what he needed to do. Jesus, he did what he needed to do. He served in that way because he understood the purpose of what he was doing. So he was being obedient, but he was also understanding that what he was doing had a purpose. And if, I believe that if we are complacent in our assurance of God's love, if we understand our sonship and we are complacent, then I think we've missed our purpose. And I think we aren't understanding what our purpose is here, what the purpose of Hillside Church is, and we aren't actually stepping into our inheritance. So what is our purpose? Let's go to Matthew 28, verse 18 for that. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that's our purpose. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So that's what we're on this earth to do. And um, I've been um, recently understanding more and more my, my, my purpose of, of why am I on this earth. And I said to my parents the other day, why did you never tell me what my purpose is? And they were like, we did. <laughs> we did, you didn't have ears to listen. <laughs> so that's why we're on this earth. We're, we're on this earth to make disciples and advance God's kingdom. And that's not a, it's work, but it's not a chore. It's a privilege. It's an absolute privilege. And there's nothing that's more fulfilling than serving our purpose on this earth, our real purpose. As I've been discovering more and more and, and stepping into that, and, I, and it's, a, it's a, a process, I'm still in process, but as I've been stepping more into that, I've found myself just feeling more and more fulfilled, more and more peaceful, because we, I'm not thinking about my problems anymore, about what's really going on with me or it's, it's about a bigger picture. Am I serving the bigger picture here? Am I adva helping advance the kingdom? And if I am, then everything else is a little bit irrelevant or it's just less important. Yeah. 
It's, in, it's put into context. So to, to achieve our purpose as a church, we need to serve. There are a lot of things, small things and big things, in which we need to serve. Things need to happen in order for us to achieve our purpose. It's not just, oh, that's our purpose, let's just do it. There needs to be some serving that happens in order for things to take place. So for example, if we have church on a Sunday, there's people who serve in order to have that church meeting, that Sunday meeting, there's the band who serves, they come at seven in the morning on a Sunday. I know that because I have to wake up at six there's Richard or whoever else is speaking to us to spend time during the week preparing a message. There's people at the back who, who are unseen a lot of the time doing sound and words. And just on that, often the service that's, the service that's most needed is um, the low-profile sort of things, the unseen things, um, because I think... Um, maybe I'm just speaking from experience, but the easiest way to serve, the easiest places to serve, are where you know you're going to get recognition from, for serving. And so it's, like, it's almost like we, we find it easier to do that because it's like, oh, people know I'm doing that. So it's, like, it's, it's easier to serve. Um, but, and then we might even get honored for that, or people might say, well done for doing that. And then maybe that affirms our identity. It's like, oh, well, um, I play drums. People said, well done for serving on the drums. So I feel good about myself. But that's, do you understand what I'm, what I'm getting at here? Jesus understands his identity. He doesn't need anyone to affirm him in his identity. And so that, that enables him to do whatever is needed whether it's low profile or, or high profile. And I'm not, I'm not saying that high profile things, that high profile serving is invalid. It's, it's valid as well, but I think maybe that's, maybe that's the reason why low profile serving is people who do that are harder to come by. And so maybe we can just honor the people at the back that are there now actually and, and clap for them. Well done. And I know for a fact that that's actually a practical thing that we need more of at this church is people who do words for the, for the screen. So if you feel convicted, <laughs> sign up. <laughs> and if you can read. <laughs> I've lost my notes, yeah. So as a family, we have a mission. As a church family, we have a mission. And when we understand our identity as sons, we're not just sons of God, we're also sons of the house. And we're sons in the family, and so we take ownership for the house. And we, we take ownership for, for Hillside. And we, we believe in what Hillside has to offer. We believe in, we have hope for the impact that Hillside has and can have, because we do impact, we impact hugely, but there's even more that we can impact. And God's called us to that as a church. 
And so when, when we understand that, our, our sonship in the church, then we, it's easier for us to take responsibility for things that need to happen in the church, like doing the words, <laughs> or like you know, out, outreach projects that are, that are they're serving and they're hard to do, but they, they're needed and we need, we need to do them to impact our community. And I uh, actually just wanna honor Chanel and Ed for organizing a, we're doing, going on a young adults trip down the, down the coast to, to put into a community there. So well done guys for having that vision and for being willing to serve there. Yeah, you can clap for them. <laughs> Another element of serving is that God takes delight in us wanting to serve for him. Let's go to John 12, 25. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Matthew 25, verse 21. This is about the parable of the talents. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then let's go to Psalm 100 verse two. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Okay, so my last love language. I don't know if you, have you guys done the love languages thing? My number five love language is acts of service. (laughs) I must confess. (laughs) Um, And my mom's first love language is acts of service. (laughs) And so I've I've grown up in in a house where we've been encouraged to serve, but we haven't really served, to be honest. Um, we've been really bad at it. And my parents haven't, they've, they're amazing parents, they haven't loved us any less for not serving. They've loved us just the same. But when I sort of grew up a bit and got a little bit less selfish, um, if, if I do anything for my mom, she loves it so much. <laughs> She feels so honored. Um, and my parents, my parents lead a church, and so I've had the privilege of hearing you know, their journey with, with the church and, and growing up in, in that and hearing their struggles and seeing them go through that. And um, I know church leaders, from their experience, they love it when people serve. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, my, my parents feel so honored and, they, and they, they feel honored, but they also, they're so glad because they're seeing people step into what God has for them and who they are because our identity is also that, that we are servants. So when we step into that, it's like, it's fulfilling and, and we're stepping to more, in, into more of who we are and we're, we're, we're being more selfless as well. 
So Richard and Jill were talking about um, saying it's been, a, it's been difficult with this heaven and business conference and they feel like, everyone's like, oh, you're doing so well. But no one's actually like, let me help. <laughs> so that's a practical way in which, in which we can help the, the heads of this, of this house is with this conference coming up. Maybe ask Faye or I, I don't know, um, how can I, what can I do to help this, this conference? Rich and Jill are all on their own. Well, not on their own, but in a sense, they are. So, and God's the same with, with, with us. When, he, when we serve him, he loves it. He doesn't love us any less when we don't serve. But when we want to serve him and we want to help, and we do actually help, um, he, just, he just loves it. And he loves us so much. Uh, Bill Johnson says, he knows someone is understanding their sonship when they ask for a dirty job. <laughs> so I was speaking a bit about that earlier. But I, I want to just ask us tonight as well, where can you serve? Think about it, think about it a little, and it doesn't have to be your number one talent. It can be your number one talent. But where can you serve? L- look out for needs in the church, needs in the community even, where you can help and serve. And it is a little bit of effort, um, but it's fulfilling. And we're not serving for God's approval. We already have his approval, but we're serving because we, we're serving because we have it. Okay. Let's pray. Do you want to stand? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for the way you've, you've served us and the example you've set for us in being servants. I pray that you'll, you'll give us a heart for serving. Pray that you'll you'll help us to understand our purpose more and give us a revelation on, on how we can serve to fulfill that purpose. Thank you, God. Thank you for our identity in you, for what you've done for us and how that defines us. And thank you for Hillside, for this awesome church that has such an awesome purpose. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear your story if you've been encouraged by this episode. You can connect with us on Facebook or leave a review on our podcast.